welcome to another episode of Ryan's Method Passive Income Podcast. Here's your host, Ryan Hogue. Hey guys, thanks for joining me today. I'm excited to be joined by Chris Heckman, Shopify print-on-demand expert with over $25 million in lifetime sales. What's up, Chris? Hey, Ryan. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, I'm excited. Uh, the YouTube algorithm, you know, maybe there's hope for your channel. <laughs> I was blown away that your videos were so high quality, yet only 3,000 subscribers, guys. Let's change that. Uh, hopefully, by the end of this interview, you'll be wanting to click the link at the top of the description and check out Chris's content because uh, it's really high quality. Like I just said, the video tutorials, everything, man, plus the way you speak to the people, I know they're going to appreciate if they like my content. I thought, you know, it, it's going to resonate with the same people. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. I'm just trying to teach everything in a step-by-step way that like a guide that would have been useful to me when I was starting out like six, seven years ago now. So hopefully people find it useful. Yeah. And before I ask you, I always like to start with like, how did you get started? But I just wanted to plug on your behalf that you put together a really nice hour long tutorial on how to get started from scratch with Shopify POD. And you said step-by-step, that's what reminded me of it. You put together that little spreadsheet there with the literal steps you need to take to launch a successful store, uh, which I got to commend you on, man. That was nice. Uh, And that's what I'll link to at the top of the description, but well done with that video. Yeah, I appreciate it. It should have a million views. So everybody go check that one out. Uh, Bookmark it, I would say. Like save it for later whenever you're ready. And uh, it was really cool. But Chris, man, how did you get started? Like what what motivated you to start with e-commerce? And like what order, I guess, did you start your print-on-demand journey with? Did you go straight to Shopify? Did you like sell on Amazon first? Anything like that? Yeah, so my journey started when I graduated college. I worked at Amazon for a hot minute, about three months before I was like, there's no way I can possibly do this for the rest of my life. Knew I needed to figure something else out. Did a little bit of consulting because I had no money to get started and was like learning the skill set of e-commerce, Facebook ads, that sort of thing. Then fast forward a couple of months, I ended up moving in with 12 other entrepreneurs all guys who were running e-com brands, like 100% Shopify, all kinds of different products. And after about three or four months, everybody started doing pretty well. We were hitting our sweet spot in print-on-demand specifically. Um, And I had one other business partner. We worked together for like four years, built three or four different brands that we've now all sold. That's kind of why I started getting into YouTube was I had some more free time and wanted to, you know, teach some of the stuff that I learned along the way. But um, yeah, when we were in that house, it was everybody was doing Facebook ads. And since it was 12 people, we were learning extremely quickly. Like we were learning what's working, what's not. Like you come down at seven in the morning to do your ads for the day. And there's six other guys at the kitchen table, all like launching their ads, sharing best practices. So I honestly owe a lot of my success to like that. It was like four years that I lived with them um, just because everybody was learning and sharing so quickly. But um yeah, that's kind of how I got started in print on demand and been doing nothing but ever since. All right. I need to know more about that. Like you just reminded me of um, Silicon Valley, the HBO show, how they had the incubators. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where Did you have like Ehrlich Bachman uh, like yelling at you every day and asking for 10% of your company or like what, how did that happen? How'd you end up at, because that sounds like yeah. a dream scenario. That sounds like skip college and go to a place like that and literally surround yourself with either millionaires or future millionaires that are only about the grind. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, it was an amazing mindset. It's funny you say that about half the guys or so had dropped out from college to come move in. 
I was one of the the old guys. I was like 23, 22. Like I was one of the old heads. Um, but yeah, people dropped out and were coming to work there. And the environment was unreal because everybody, like you said, was grinding. Everybody was like moving like 24 seven. And it's the kind of environment where it, like you can't help but push yourself and like try to grow as quickly as possible. Like if somebody else was doing like 10 or 20 K that day and you look at your sales and you've only done like 5k you're like if you're outside of that house you'd be like oh i did five grand today that's great but then you see the guy next to you did 10 or 20 you're like screw my five like i gotta i gotta level up and it was that kind of like motivation like pushed all of us together dude that's so incredible man i don't want to like hijack the interview and <laughs> ask a million questions about this but uh i just like what just came to mind was did you have any like issues with like ip based like sharing an ip and then somebody gets in trouble like Facebook ad account gets, I don't, by the way, I don't know if they like suspend you by IP address on like a Facebook ad account, but I know it's common to have trouble there. Do you have any like issues like that with sharing like so many people on the same IP? Yeah, we definitely do. Everybody was using VPNs. Um, we're using express VPN, uh, and everybody, <laughs> even if we were at the house or moving around, didn't matter. We were on VPNs all the time. Cause we had problems with Facebook ad accounts getting banned, Shopify, like payment processing, getting banned. Um, Cause when we started, this was years ago when Facebook ads were like super easy to run. We had guys that were doing like six figure sales days. And when that happens on Shopify stores and they look at you very closely. And then when they see all these stores under one IP address, all doing that, it raises a lot of flags. So those are some of like the early day problems that luckily now we've kind of figured out, but yeah, VPNs was a must for us. And what led you to the decision to pursue like print on demand with your Shopify store instead of like the standard drop shipping model, which I'm going to guess you've probably tried and mixed it in. But uh, like ultimately you're a mega successful print on demand Shopify seller, not to like lo lose the lead here for everybody watching. Like Chris has a YouTube channel where he's like transparently showing you a new store that he launched, which I put in the thumbnail over $300,000 in revenue in the first 90 days. So you clearly are doing something right. Um, so go check out his YouTube, but like what made you want to do print on demand with your Shopify store? Yeah, you're right. We, we tested a bunch of different products and when it comes down to it, we were, we had to test a lot of different niches. Like I mentioned my business partner and I, we had three or four stores that we ended up running with. Those were the winners, but in order to get to those winners, we probably tested like 15 or 20 niches. Now, a lot of that came down to our learning curve. We didn't know like how to pick a good niche which there's a lot of videos on that that you can watch nowadays, but we tested extremely quickly and like uh, move fast and fail fast. So we would put up a test store and this gets into like why we use print on man is that it allows this is that we could launch a new store with say 50 designs on just t-shirts, test out a niche, which a niche is like yoga outdoors, like basically any activity or uh, hobby that people have a good way to identify a niche is using the bumper sticker test. If you ever seen a bumper sticker for that topic, probably make a good print on demand niche. So we'd launch these stores extremely quickly and then launch test Facebook ads. And in the beginning, we'd only use like a hundred dollar budget. And within that first hundred dollars to spend, we'd be able to see like, are the numbers there? Like are our cost per clicks under a dollar? Are the click through rates there? Are we getting engagement like likes, comments, shares on the posts? And all those things would tell us like, yes, there's something here. And then we would double down, make 50 more designs, launch more ads. Or more often than not, we found that there wasn't something there. And instead of like losing our minds, burning money on a losing store, we would be able to basically take it down 
and just launch into a new niche. So we were just iterating very quickly and print on demand allowed us to do that. Very cool. And uh, I, I was going to ask, like, do you, how much of a factor when it comes to selecting a niche does the uh, Facebook like floor bid required to get your ad seen play to you? You know what I'm saying? Like, like how much of, how much do you factor that in? Like the amount of money it's going to cost to run the ad. Yeah, we always set aside a budget of like, at now we set aside like a thousand bucks if we were to launch a store. But um, a common misconception that a lot of people have is like, like they ask the question all the time, like how much money do I need to run ads? And it's like kind of a, a flawed way to think about it because it's once the ads are profitable, once you're running it like a two to three X ROAS, like you're putting in $1, getting two to $3 back. Then the question becomes, how can I spend a million dollars and get two to $3 million back? So we would always just see like, do we think the numbers are there with the initial couple hundred bucks that we can get it to that one in two to three back. And if we saw that, then we would double down. But in the beginning and for anybody, even nowadays, I would say plan on burning at least a couple hundred dollars on ads. And another piece that we'll probably get into this later, but the top 1% of advertisers on Facebook, what separates them, doesn't matter what the product is, doesn't matter if it's software or physical products, what they do different is they split test 11 times as many creatives as any other advertiser. Most people sit down with like, oh, I have four ads, four pictures, and then they throw it up and hope for the best. You need to be ready to do 11 times that, like just as many creatives as you can possibly churn out. That's what it takes to succeed. Now, I love that tip. Like I don't consider myself at all an expert in Facebook ads. I just haven't spent that much time with them, but it's something like what you just said makes perfect sense when you think about like if, if someone goes in thinking, I'm going to spend a hundred dollars on an ad. Okay. Do you need to like split test? Do you need to create 25 different ad creatives? Like probably not, not at least if you're, you know, anticipating spending that first like hundred or couple hundred, but if you're spending a million dollars on an ad campaign, right. And you can split test 500. I don't even, I just made that number up, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like some are going to outperform the others and a 0.01% increase in conversion rate translates it directly into like a lot more money, a lot more profit for you, you know? So I think that's, is that the right way to think about it? Yeah, exactly. And the other way to think about it that it took us a while to learn this is that the best mark or the best time you can invest into getting a higher return is not necessarily always in the ads. A lot of people think like, oh, my ads aren't converting. What do I do in the ad account? Honestly, the vast majority of it comes down to how your store is optimized. Are your products good? Are you in the right niche? Uh, do you have your email marketing and SMS set up so that you're flushing out this funnel so that as you spend that dollar, you're getting two to three back on the front end, but then you're making four, five, six on the back end and through the lifetime value of the customer, which that's really the difference when it comes down to like print on demand on Shopify versus like, Etsy or Merch by Amazon is our main focus is really around how do we build a customer following and an email list and our social media pages? How do we build those up into assets that we can sell to them, not just today, but next month, next year, 10 years down the road? And a lot of that comes down to our reputation, making sure we have high quality products, really good customer service. But a lot of our focus goes into nurturing that customer relationship after the first sale. No, nah, man, I love hearing that. And that's honestly one of the reasons why I 
it's not like I never believed that like you could succeed at Shopify print on demand, but my former background as a web developer since 2008, how long is that? It's a long time, 15 years. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I, in the back of my mind, like everything you said, like I can't envision myself spending a dollar on an ad if I haven't set up all of those things because of what you just said. Like you're just flushing money down the toilet if you're not optimizing to maximize the ROI, like the return on that dollar that you spent. Cause it doesn't have to be a direct sale right when they clicked your ad, hit add to cart and checked out. Like if you collect any point of contact with that person, um, you know, obviously you can bring them back. And then I was going to ask, actually, are you doing like, uh, this might be a little bit all over the place. And if it is reel me in. All right. But are you doing like retargeting ads too on, uh, people that, you know what I mean? Maybe added to cart, but didn't check out anything like that. Yeah. Great question. Absolutely. That's for anybody running ads, e-commerce or otherwise, like retargeting ads is absolutely the first campaign you should set up. It's baffling the number of sites that I see that have organic traffic and they're not retargeting those people. It's like the cream of the crop. And the quick way to set that up is you just set up your Facebook account. You can create a, a remarketing audience once you have the pixel installed and say audience of people that have visited the website in the last 30 days and then set it at a super low budget, even like five to $10 a day is fine. Then you scale it up as you know, your traffic increases and we run those campaigns. It's normally about five to 7% of our ad spend. And it runs at like a four to five X return, uh, which really brings up the average in the account overall. Cause normally we're at like a, a two to a three return. So the, the retargeting is normally a, a nice bump. That's amazing. And uh, again, Chris put together a free get started hour long tutorial. It's going to be the top link. You didn't touch on the ads in that video, which I actually think was almost like a good strategy. Although I don't know if like YouTube would have treated you better if you did just jam in and make it like a five hour long video, but uh, you never yeah. know. Right. But um, yeah, I, video, I purposely left it out to try and make it like a separate, uh, like it's, a, it's an entirely different beast. And I wanted to make the first one about like laying the foundation. I could probably do a whole nother one hour long on just setting up your email flows, a whole nother hour on just like driving traffic all that. There's a lot of pieces to it. Yeah. And I mean, I still don't consider myself a YouTube expert with however many subscribers I have at this point, like, cause you just don't know unless you split test. I don't know how you really split test YouTube, but, uh, in my experience, like my best performing videos are the exceptionally long videos where the first thing I say in it is like it and save it because you're going to want to come back to it. You know what I'm saying? And maybe those interactions like help the YouTube algorithm, uh, say, Oh, there's some value in this video, you know? But either way, um, that first video gets everybody started on Shopify. And it's what I loved about your approach, because there's so many ways to go about like telling people to start Shopify is you kept it simple enough. Like, you know, it wasn't like wasting people's time with like too much detail, but it was like enough detail in my mind, you know, not being a Shopify expert that it was like the need to know to get the like minimum viable product, you know, so you don't waste the first month just tinkering with a website that gets no traffic, right? Uh, I really yeah. thought that was great. And then you're going to like follow up with more, you know, more content like the marketing side. Yeah. And I, I think that's the the reason I did it that way. And I think it's the best way to approach like learning this stuff is that people getting started in print on demand or just starting a business in general, like we're trying to make money. And when you're trying to do that, there's a lot of shiny objects out there, especially with Shopify. I don't know quite as much about like merch by Amazon and like the Etsy world, but on Shopify, you're getting hit with ads for like different apps and plugins and widgets and thingamajigs all over the place. And you honestly don't need any of that. The testing stores that I mentioned, 
like they were bare bones debut theme, like literally the default out of the box. It looked like a third grade, like computer science project, the websites, but they're simple, they're fast and it gets the job done. And it can just be a little misleading. All the marketing around the apps out there convinces you that like you need this stuff. You need to be racking up this bill when honestly it's not necessarily. And sometimes it's even a downside because it slows down your site speed. Like site speed has the biggest impact in your conversion rate. And it took me a while to learn that. So I can imagine some other people are struggling with that as well. Yeah, I'm having flashbacks to uh, working as a web developer and getting those requests in for people that are that just learn that like clients that just learn how much site speed matters and tasking me with basically getting the score like the google developer console will give you a score and it's just like man that those days i don't want to complain because i chose that life but like man it was just miserable you know what i'm saying like some of that stuff is just like it just was too much like there's like a reasonable level and they're like no no we need it to be the highest possible and i'm like i can't say no you know someone's signing my paycheck so i don't miss those days yeah, no, it, it, it's definitely a, a weight off our shoulders when we learn that less is more when it comes to it gives us a lot of freedom to not feel like we there's a constant need to be in, investigating every little software out there. Like at the end of the day, the most important thing is just if you have good products and good designs that people like, like that's going to sell like a good quote that I always go back to is uh, great products can be sold by crappy marketing, but uh, crappy products can't be sold by great marketing, which there's some caveats to that, but by and large, we would do pretty much the same type of marketing, same website for all these different stores. The only difference in the testing stores, the only difference was the niche and the products that we were offering. Like we launched the same type of ad creatives, same offers, same ad copy, same layout, everything. It just came down to were we hitting a niche or an audience that was like actually interested in buying graphic tees and were we showing them something they liked? Um, so I guess if anybody, if there's one thing to take away, it would be that's the approach for when it comes to Shopify print on demand is don't like beat a dead horse. Don't try to get blood from a stone. Like don't be afraid to pivot. But then once you find something that's working, really dive deep into building out all of your email flows, your retargeting. Um, and don't get shiny object like I did and have, you know, four different stores running at the same time. Far better to have one store doing 5 million a year than four stores doing like 1.25 each, like make a lot more money with the one store. That's not something I knew. So I appreciate you sharing that. Honestly. Um, I don't know if like, I'm, you know, I'm definitely guilty of not wanting to spend money on like, you know, advertised traffic and whatnot. And I always think like, Oh, what can I do? Evergreen. Like I built a website in college that's probably gotten, I don't even know the number of hits, honestly, but it's like tens and tens of millions of hits, all organic, not e-commerce though, right? So it's like, then I have to figure out how to monetize that site. And I kind of translate that into, okay, now I know a lot more about e-commerce, but I want to do all this organic like traffic to various Shopify stores. And do you have any like opinion on that? Like, is it, and just be honest with me, because I mean, I don't mind being wrong. Like, like, is it not worth the time? Like, should it be more like your model? You know what I'm saying? Where you just kind of go ahead, split test and double down on what's working with, with ads instead of taking the long, the long game on a uh, organic. Yeah. Honestly, I've never really done anything with SEO or organic. Uh, the only, <laughs> the extent of my organic experience is uh, like paid SEO. Like we pay Google for, to rank for our search terms. Um, basically maybe I, that's just like the tool set that I have and I just stick with it. But um, yeah, I can't really say, but one thing I do know is that, when it comes to Facebook ads, it can be extremely daunting. 
uh, and trying to drive traffic and like, it can feel like a money pit, but it's a skill set that's been like invaluable, even outside of like e-commerce and being able to help other business owners. Cause once you learn it for like one space or industry, you can pretty much apply it anywhere. So, I mean, I'm biased for sure, but it's been an extremely valuable skill set to learn. Yeah. Outside of like being an early investor in crypto and having diamond hands, honestly, I think learning to run ads on Facebook, in my personal opinion, I can't think of anything that like probably made more people more money in the last decade. Would yeah. You agree? Yeah. That. And then, uh, I, I would say like the ads initially, but now I'm starting to, as I'm, you know, getting older and wiser, I'm starting to realize that it's, it's even more so about the people that know how to craft like a really good customer experience and solve a specific problem. Like the way, this is another reason I like Shopify print on demand is the way you build like real equity or value in a company is by solving a specific problem for a specific group of people. Like one of the stores that uh, I sold in the past called yoga stay was a print on demand store that served specifically yoga niche interested people like yogis as they call themselves. Um, And the reason we're able to build that into something valuable is that it was extremely niche down. Um, It took me a while to, uh, Learn that though. Yeah, here's the website. So we sold this about a year ago to a company called Open Store. And what's interesting about this is we start this started out as just t-shirts. It was literally 50 shirts. I think in the uh in that video, you were taught the hour-long video, I showed uh-huh. what it looked like originally. Um, so it started out as 50 shirts, and over time, once we identified it as a winner, we doubled down and started sourcing our own products. So that's another nice thing about print on demand, is it gives you the flexibility to test a lot of markets but then when you find something that works you can double down like all of those yoga pants and mats and stuff we source mm. from our own suppliers and keep in a warehouse nice and did you uh start like on amazon and stuff like that too did you expand or uh <laughs> no yeah no. we should have but uh yeah anytime we've applied to merch by amazon we get denied but uh yeah we've or like fba like fba yeah, no, we just fulfill it out of because we use a fulfillment center that is able to co-pack the fulfilled items with print on demand, like they have printing presses. Oh, nice, uh, dude. That's awesome. In the warehouse. Yeah, it works out pretty well. Yeah. Um, no, I mean it looks good for a website and it's pretty bare bones. Like I think people are familiar enough now with the Shopify website look and feel. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's become more popular and uh another piece about the Shopify layout that I mentioned is that what it looks like on desktop is pretty irrelevant when you're driving traffic. Mobile is everything like on the store that I'm showing in the uh, print on demand challenge. It's like all about mobile. Uh, We have 82% of traffic on iPhones and Androids. Um, So whenever I'm setting up Shopify stores, that's always the way that I look at it first. Yeah, dude, that was a great uh, little tip there too. Honestly, um, I noticed back, like I mentioned, I started a website in uh, college and I noticed like pretty early on that the traffic was coming predominantly from mobile. Like the switch happened probably like over 10 years ago. And I was like, damn, and it just kept going. And it's probably like 90% mobile. I was going to ask you, like, are you sending most of your ad traffic? I, I mean, I probably know the answer, but just for anybody watching, like you're not sending it to the homepage, right? And then just like letting these people stumble around your website. Like you're sending it to a product page. Do you make specific like test, like split tested landing pages or anything like that? Yeah, good question. Uh, the majority goes to the collection page. So they'll click on an ad of a product. 
then they get sent to a collection page so that they're able to see what else there is. Um, retargeting ads sends them direct to the cart. So if somebody added to cart and then left whatever for whatever reason, they go direct to the cart page. So it's easy for them to check out. Um, and then any of our branding or like search ads on Google, those are the only ones that go to the homepage. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So it would be like, this would be like a collection, right? Just clicking leggings. Yep. Exactly. And then on the, uh, on the way out, let's say I add like a yoga leggings to cart. Like, are you hitting people with upsells and stuff like that on the way out? Yeah, I'm not, we normally do. I'm not sure. I haven't looked at yoga stay honestly in a while, so <laughs> we'll see what they're doing. But, uh, yeah, upsells and then, uh, post purchase oh, upsells is a good, oh yeah, there you Got go. Right cart upsells. Yep. Yep. So all those little things, guys, increase your average order value. I'm not the expert, but I'm no, I know enough, right? I know the basics. <laughs> yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, even the little stuff like the, the call to action buttons, CTA buttons being different colors. It's like little stuff like that, that you just learn over time actually makes a difference. Yeah. Um, can I ask like, uh, are you getting any like pricing advantages with fulfillment of these leggings? Like I know if I go to some print on demand companies, like there's no way you're getting away. Oh, you said you might be sourced. So are you, is this maybe one of those products you're sourcing from a supplier instead of doing print on demand? Yeah. Yeah. This- gotcha. Uh, yeah, print on demand for leggings is super expensive. Yeah. These, when I sold it, we were getting these for between like six to eight dollars plus shipping to the warehouse. So a lot better than whatever you know, Printify or Printful sells them for. Yeah, they need to re up these too. Looks like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's good one of the best sellers. Nice. No, I appreciate you being so transparent, man. So, like, what other, like, I'm here like leading the conversation, but like you're the expert. What else can people expect on your YouTube channel? Like, how are you helping the average person watching this that wants to get started, that trusts you as an authority? Because it's pretty clear, like within the first like video I clicked, you know what I'm saying? That like, okay, this dude knows what he's talking about. And your videos were really well put together, putting me to shame. Like my videos aren't even half as good. So I was like, damn, I got to raise the bar. Thanks for that. But um, like, what else do we need to know, man? Like, what are the common pain points that uh, people get stuck at? Yeah, the most common pain points I see is uh, probably similar in merch by Amazon in your world, but people just not getting started and kind of getting analysis paralysis, which is good to a certain extent to like make sure you know what you're getting into, but just getting started. And like the reason I put together the video I did is that I think all the tools and stuff like free trials that I mentioned in there ends up costing like next to nothing. So just getting started and like getting real world practice and then when you can, like if you have a hundred or 200 bucks to start spending on ads, like there's no better way to learn than with your own money, uh, like going into the ad account. Like I learned far more from running my own ads than I ever did from like running clients ads because you just care on an entirely different level. So my advice would be getting started. And the second, or like the second biggest pain point is, uh, when it comes to the number of products and like just the sheer volume that you have to be willing to do. And not taking it personal at all when the products that you think are going to do well end up sucking. Like nine times out of 10, the products I thought would do well do terrible and vice versa. So just realizing that it's a numbers game. Like if you launch a thousand products, you're going to have a much greater chance of success than if you launch a hundred. I imagine it's pretty similar on, uh, you know, in your world, but yeah, especially with when it comes to scaling up this type of business, like Shopify, you really need a lot of products to you know, scale to seven, multiple seven figures. 
Yeah, yeah. And what's interesting too is there, there's definitely different approaches to take with um, kind of like where I'm at. And it varies by platform, but I, I always kind of subscribe to like, because I didn't have a mentor or someone showing me. I just kind of figured it out as I went, which I mean, probably more to my detriment. Like I would listen to some podcasts of people who are more successful, but um, I don't want to attribute too much to them because I also kind of like eventually caught them and passed them, which I told myself I would do. You know, I'd be like mowing the lawn, listening to the one Merch by Amazon podcast I could find being like, yo, I'm going to catch these guys. Like I love them for putting that content out there because it motivated me. But um, I was just going to say that it's like, now I kind of subscribe to this belief that I'll just upload random ass shirts that look good enough. I do air quotes, good enough to sell. And if they sell once a year and make me $5 profit, like I'm in Amazon merch tier 200,000, like that, that would be a million bucks if I could just sell all 200,000 once, you know? So I take like a little bit of a weirder approach, but like, as I was growing the account with, with less upload slots, less products for sale, I would take a similar approach to what you're talking about, you know, kind of test different niches. One starts working. I want to go in there and like, I want to dominate the first row of results, ideally, you know, not just for me, but so that other people aren't kind of scheming on my, my sales, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. And I mean, I was doing the same thing, not with Merch by Amazon podcast, but like on my drive to like work at Amazon, I was listening to like, uh, like Facebook ad podcasts and stuff and like just constantly learning and like visualizing like what it would be like to be, you know, in, in a different spot. So there's definitely something to it. Uh, and, and something else that I'd, I'd mentioned is like kind of bridging the gap between the two worlds of like how you sell and then like the Shopify world is that I really think like the middle ground is a great place to be like owning like the best of both worlds. Like you have the asset of your own website, your own traffic, your data, your email list that you can market to whenever you want until the end of time. But then you have like the passive income or semi-passive uh, and like the revenue generation from Etsy and Amazon, I think starting in either one of those places and doing both of them, like, for example, if you have like specific brands or niches that you have or sell on those platforms, opening up Shopify stores and you would have like brand recognition of like those brand names, if that's how you do it and vice versa. Like what we do is we launch on Shopify once we have like yoga stay. Then we started selling on Etsy, Amazon, not merch by Amazon, but like listing to fill by ourselves and Pinterest um, and some on Redbubble. And then people would recognize us from our Shopify store and then they would go to like other channels and they would see us and like recognize us and buy from us. So it can kind of make like, you know, like the Jeff Bezos flywheel concept. You can kind of make a, a mini version of that when it comes to print on demand by combining both worlds. No, I love that insight, man. And, uh, like, that's one thing that I wish if I did have like a mentor that like they could have told me, cause in retrospect, it's, it's something that I think is valuable. Like you can, you can go into any niche you want, but what if you just said, all right, in real life, you know, like, I mean, me personally, like, oh, I like fantasy football. Okay. Boom. I'm going to do like a bunch of really high end fantasy football stuff that I bring personal expertise to that. I know people will like, I'm going to hit it on Amazon merch, Amazon seller central, Etsy, Redbubble make a social media account with funny memes and do Shopify and hit this like holistic, true branded approach. Yeah. You know, like you just said, and like, oh man, there's like a lot of staying power in that. And then I always, I was thinking, man, ugh, maybe if there's enough people watching that want it, and if you'd be down, I could bring you back. Cause I know we could talk like another hour about the other side of this. Like we talk more print on demand context today, but like you said, like the marketing to people through email, through SMS, I haven't done SMS. So I'd love to like pick your brain about that, man. And like, whatever I'm missing, like that would be awesome to talk to you about in the future. If you guys want that, let us know in the comments. 
Yeah, SMS is free money, man. It's like it, it is the new email. You get like 90% open rates. It's nuts. Our, I know we're wrapping up soon, but 15 to 20% of our revenue comes from email with just flows that are running constantly. Another five or 6% comes from SMS. So like 25% of our revenue is just pretty much on autopilot. So it's pretty nice. Yeah, why, why wouldn't you do that? <laughs> you know, the tools are yeah. out there. There's no excuse to like, to not know, right? And, or, you know what I'm saying? If like, if you're going to do the work of like starting Shopify, researching print on demand, making the designs, all of these things, learning Facebook ads, investing real money, like why would you not do the yeah. remaining parts? But then in the back of my mind, I just think of like, me, me back in the day, right? I like the average person. No, that's not the wrong way of saying it. Like me back in the day before I felt comfortable doing all this stuff when I knew about them, but knew that I didn't know. It's like, man, I know it's a lot, right? It's a lot. But if people are determined and like want to be like you and me and kind of obsess over it when we're listening to podcasts and stuff like that, other people listen to like what, like whatever they listen to, you know what I'm saying? Like music and stuff. I'm like, no, give me a business podcast because I don't want to spend my life working to make somebody else's dreams come true. Right. I want to do my own thing. So, yeah. 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 My favorite saying is entrepreneurs are the type of people that are willing to work a hundred hours a week for 10 years to avoid working 40 hours a week for the rest of their lives. That's exactly how I feel about this. And to your last point about how like, there's so many different ways you can go about it. When I first got started, I took, <laughs> I had zero idea what I was doing. I spent two and a half weeks going through an in-depth course on how to file a patent. Like, I thought that, that was crucial. I thought that was the first step to making an e-commerce business. Couldn't have been further from the truth. I've never needed one thing I learned in that course, but it just goes to show like there's a million ways to go about it. So if anybody listening is feeling confused or lost or like there's a million things you don't know, it's okay. That's why Brian and I are making the stuff we are is to hopefully, you know, shine a light in uh, through the confusing darkness of starting an e-com brand. Yeah. And hopefully we did a good job of uh, not confusing people because there is so many moving pieces and I think we'd be doing a disservice to not like touch on them. And uh, like I'm saying, like, I only know what I know. Um, like, I'm sure there's more too. That's why I would love to sit down with you again, if you'd be up for it. If this video gets a lot of likes and some comments and there's interest, guys, let us know. Check out Chris's YouTube channel. Uh, how often do you put out content, by the way? Twice a week. Twice a week. Okay. And is one of the videos just like a sales update from the previous Yep. Yeah. One, one of them is following along with the store that we launched back in July 1st, just showing the sales under the hood. Um, and I'm really open to people's feedback. Cause I don't know, like, like you said, like what are the blind spots people are having? So I read all the comments and if there's anything specific, like doesn't matter how down in the weeds it is that people want to know more than happy to show it. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I really appreciate, like I said, you putting out the high quality content, sharing your expertise uh, is there anything behind a paywall or is it all like out there for free right now? No. Yeah. Everything's, everything's free. There you go, guys. We don't know how long that's going to be the case. So y'all better go out there and uh, <laughs> hit like and subscribe and whatnot. Uh, Chris, man, I really appreciate you taking the time. It was great uh, getting to know you. I'm sure you're a wealth of knowledge. That's why I'm saying like, I would love to sit down again. Hopefully we get enough views and, and I can convince you to come back, man. Yeah, I'd love to. This has been fun. Appreciate you for cool. having me. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Everybody go check out his channel, guys. Hit like, subscribe, all that good stuff. And I'll see you guys at the next video.